It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Darcy Swain suspension, right? Mm. He, now, he got six weeks. That I mean, he could have got 12. I felt I felt like it was bad enough that he probably should have got 12 because it definitely yeah. looked yeah. like he intended to do it. But now that we know that Quintu Pai is out for nine months, there has, of course, that argument's come up again. If it's so obvious and so blatant as to what Darcy Swain did, mm. should he be suspended for as long as the player takes to recover from his injury? Yeah, well, that's, you know, and it, there's valid rationale behind that in, in trying to determine, you know, intent and, and the consequences that it has had on someone like Quinta Pai, emerging player, you know, he's been incredibly successful since getting into the All Blacks, had some breakout uh, couple of seasons, and, and now he's he's a victim of someone else's thuggery. And, mm-hmm. and because of that, he loses massive momentum in his career, possibly jeopardises his opportunity to go to a Rugby World Cup. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there are lots of negatives uh, in the outcome of this. Um, look, I, again, when, when, I, when I look at it, tr- trying to do that objectively, I'm thinking to myself, um, you know, did, did Darcy Swain, was he reckless or was he reckless with intent? Did he have the skill set to go in there on purpose, cause that injury to, injury to Quinta Pye's leg in that split second? Mm. I'm not convinced that he did. I, I felt that he was incredibly reckless and he rolled the dice by going in on that particular angle and at that part of the body Yeah, that something could go wrong. But I don't think he intentionally thought, I'm going to bust his knee. Yeah, it was an interesting one because if he had just gone in with the shoulder, yeah, I would, I'd agree with you. Yeah. But the fact that he wrapped that arm wrapped first, the arm. Yep. that made it look more intentional. Yeah, and, and, but that's that, that, that is a, there's a lot of malice in that. And, yep. and to be able to execute that and do it and effectively take a guy out by busting his medial ligaments and and, 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 and doing that amount of damage, um, you know, there, there, there's I think there's, what I'm saying is I feel there's also, there's an element of clumsiness or fluke in there that he's managed to do that. But, I totally concur with the fact that he's on the wrong angle. He shouldn't be um, reaching in around like that. So whatever he's going to do is going to have some form of consequence and and, and possibly cause damage, you know, because Quintipai did fall as well yeah. backwards because of the weight of uh, other players that were in there. So that helped the situation, and it didn't, um, it didn't look great from Darcy Swain's perspective. Look, in a nutshell, uh, he should have got longer. Yeah. Um, I certainly, I don't think you can you can go out and ban him for the same amount of time as Tapai. I, I know how that feels. But as rugby players, when we play the game professionally, uh, look, I, look, I got. I, it took me a while to get over the George Smith. Yeah, yeah. You know, like that. That was that was well late, and yeah. my my ribs were exposed, and uh, he just got penalised. That's all he got. But it broke my ribs yeah. and took me out of the Rugby World Cup, uh, and took me out of rugby. Well, didn't take me out of rugby for a massive amount of times because it was the end of the year, but. You know, he, he ruined my Rugby World Cup, and that was early in the game, and we're still in the game. So this is in 2003, if people can't remember, and he hit me after I passed the ball. And 
it was that far late that I, I was watching the pass and making my way to the next breakdown when bang, I felt that shoulder into my ribs and I was massively exposed. And 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 it took me a while mentally to to get over the fact that he was coming at me. Um, maybe there was a target because that was a, a ploy of ours to use me off the line out as that first receiver. We'd done it a lot and I had plenty of options. Knowing Eddie Jones, mm. it's like get up there, stop, stop it at source, stop Marshall from distributing there. George Smith has come at me hard. He's got his timing wrong. Did he intentionally um, try to break my ribs? No. Did he intentionally try to hurt me? Uh, possibly to a degree, but he probably tried to let, let me know that he's going to be there every time I get that ball. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, so you've got to try and take that that's part of the game as well. Yeah. And it took me a while to process that. And George Smith and I would have a good laugh and a beer over it since. But, you know, this is the situation that we're talking about with those two players. You know, it'd be really interesting to, th- to know how Quintapaya feels about it. Yeah, it would be. Um, and, and what his mental attitude towards Darcy Swain is, you know. You did that on purpose to me. I'm never going to forgive you. And if I get my chance again yeah. in a game, you better watch out for me because I'm going to get you back. Yeah. You know, or is he like, you know, shit happens. This wasn't great. Um, I, I'm not sure. I, I'm sure he was reckless, clumsy, but I'm not sure he intended to do that to me. Yeah. Don't know. It's so, a hard one. It's a hard it? one, eh? It is, it is. And I think a lot of that thing goes back to the judiciary because they could have given Swain 12 weeks. He should have got 12. They gave him six. And I didn't understand that. It's too that. light. Yeah. And that's why we're arguing about it now. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he had headbutted a palm in the previous test yep. series, right? Yep. So it's not like he didn't have previous this season. You can't yeah. give him... Leniency for good behaviour. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not, I'm not, not being, I'm contradicting myself here because yep. I'm, I'm saying, I feel the sanction was too light. Yeah. But I don't believe it could be any further than twelve weeks and go into that into that nine that conversation of you yeah. know, geez, it needs to be three months because Quintapai's got nine. I'm not, I'm not on that page. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you, Marsha. It's mm. interesting though. I've definitely seen that debate happening on social media oh, around I'm when, sure. when that came out. <laughs> this is the rugby run on SENZ. Ricardo Paul, Justin Marshall, with you. It is a quarter past one coming up on the show. Uh, Leon McDonald, the new All Blacks fifteen coach, is going to join us, and we'll talk to him about what that looks like and uh, what is. What his plans for that team are. Uh, we're also going to uh, talk some uh, Rugby World Cup because, of course, the Women's Rugby World Cup kicks off next weekend. Up next, though, Grant Nisbet joins us. We're going to talk permutations from the NPC. It's 20 past one here on SENZ, the rugby run. Ricardo Paul, Justin Marshall with you. Fire uh, through text if you like. 8833 is our tip of bed post text machine, or you can call us at 0800 150811. Uh, Long time listener, first time caller with us now, Grant Nisbet. How are you, sir? G'day, boys. I'm good, thank you. It's a story, Nisbo. Um, I know uh, you were on comms yesterday with Marshy in that big game in Dunedin, Otago versus Canterbury. That was a that was a great advert for the NPC, wasn't it? And man, that Otago team. I know they didn't win, but they got some great young kids coming through. Yeah, they have absolutely. Um, I thought young Fabian Holland, who's only 19, said to Marshy uh, after the game, "I think uh, we're going to see a lot more of this bloke," and he impressed a lot of people too. He had. He had good aggression. He's a big boy. I mean, he must be, he must be six foot seven in the old language, and um, he's probably still learning the game in many ways because um, you know he was born in the Netherlands, so he wouldn't have had a background in rugby as a young kid, and uh, I think he's got unlimited potential. I think I made the comment at the end of the game. Otago will probably be the the best team to miss the playoffs, um, although you know, Tasman people may argue with that if they go out this afternoon, but. 
No, I think Otago can be pretty proud of the way they've played uh, this year. They've had a few lapses, but which team hasn't? But they really fronted up last night. Six foot eight, and as Bo just looked him up, you're right, six eight, man. He's uh, he's he's sizable. He's a big big unit and 118 kegs, and at 19, he's only going to get bigger. Um, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, about Tasman because they they started poorly. They've come back towards the end, but that start has really cost them, I think. And I, I mean, I don't see Manawatu upsetting Northland. I, I think Tasman are done. I think you're right. Yeah, and and it's a bit of a shame from uh, Tasman's point of view. I I did a game, and I'm trying to remember where it was and um, anyway we, we put out a list of um, just wrote a, a, a team out that um, who wasn't there it included a whole lot of all blacks and a whole lot of injured players and it was a, it was a pretty damn good team so they've had to rely on on a bit of depth and you know it's not a major region in New Zealand so they might struggle a bit with depth so I think they've done pretty damn well to get where they have really they got a couple of all blacks back the other night but um, there are a few that they didn't get back. Um, so, you know, they didn't have the likes of David Avili or Tyrell Lomax or Finley Christie. Uh, they, they're the sort of players who make a difference. And if you don't have access to them and you don't have tremendous depth in, in the region, then you are going to battle, that's for sure. Good afternoon, Nisbo. Hey, I hope those blackjack tables or the pokies were, were kind to you when I left you last night. Um, they're, they're supposed <laughs> to pay for our beers next weekend. So, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm, mate, I'm, I... I didn't lose anything, mate. I didn't lose anything. Um, I didn't make a hell of a lot either, to be fair. <laughs> that, that's good old gambling, isn't it? So much fun. Hey, I uh, wanted to ask you um, about what we've got coming up this afternoon, first of all, because there's still plenty on these two games. Uh, and, um, you know, this and, and this current format, your thoughts on it, you know, there was a lot of chat about uh, having the odds and evens and moving forward was the, uh, going in the right direction. What, what do you think? Yeah, I think they've done the right thing, actually, Marshy. I, I think back to what it used to be like. You had a uh, you had a premier number seven team, and only only one of those teams could win the premiership. The only incentive for the teams playing in the I think they called it the championship uh, back in those days. The only incentive there was uh, that you had the chance to gain promotion to that kind of first division. So there wasn't a hell of a lot of incentive. Um, and if you made a poor start, then your season sort of fell away almost immediately. Whereas in this one, we've had teams who have been up and down all over the place, but they've still had an opportunity to make that top four. Only three teams from each division, each division miss out. So I think that um, they've done the right thing here. They've created some real interest. Uh, we've got quarterfinals, semifinals and final. Previously, we didn't quite go that far. So I think it's, I think it's a step in the right direction. Uh, I think the, the only real irony in the whole thing is that... Um, uh, dear old Barnsley at Taranaki, who made all the all the comments and things uh, after an unbeaten season last year, uh, they just haven't stepped up this year at all, and 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 they won't feature next week. No, they won't. I, and I've, I mean, I've got to say, we'll talk more about that later. But how good uh, was Stephen Petafeta for them yesterday? I mean, they really gave Auckland a fright, didn't they? I mean, could be a, a whole different discussion on that Northland game because it could be Auckland that potentially miss out uh, with the, with the way that that game was going. But they did they did get it won. Nisbo, what did you make of the uh, news that we got yesterday that Auckland were going to play Roger Tuivasa-Sheck at fourteen? But apparently, that didn't come from the rugby union. Hmm. Yeah, um, interesting call. Um, I saw a bit of that game. I didn't see all of it. Um, I, I saw a half, and the half that Auckland played pretty poorly, actually, and Taranaki had a big lead at halftime, so the poor bloke hardly saw the ball from what I could see. I mean, he was doing his best to get involved, 
but it's damn hard to get involved out on the wing if um, you know if conditions aren't that flash, which they weren't. Um, so it, it was it was an interesting call. I don't think he's ever going to be an All Black winger. I think if he's ever going to be in the All Blacks on a consistent basis, it's most likely going to be in the midfield somewhere. So yeah, it was an interesting call. It'd be interesting to know exactly what RTS himself thought of it. In saying that, Nisbo, what have you felt about uh, the talent that you've seen come through in, in this year's competition? Obviously, Super Rugby sides will be coming out probably uh, the end of the month. Uh, do you think there are some pl- emerging players that have put their hand up, or do you think uh, the status quo that exists within New Zealand, there's not many people leaving our shores uh, at this stage with the Rugby World Cup knocking on the door next year that uh, those Super Rugby sides will look as familiar as usual? Yeah, I don't think they miss too many good players in Super Rugby, Marshy, to be honest. I think the scouts are out there and they do a damn good job. team I'll be interested in, and I'm sure you will be too, because we had a bit of a chat about it last night, will be this team that that plays the Barbarians at mm. uh, Wembley. Um That'll give us some indication because the national selectors are picking that team, aren't they? And that'll give us some indication as to who they see as the next tier of players. I guess it'll be, I guess it'll be almost the third tier because take out the 35 All Blacks that are going on tour, it's the next group, and uh, and that next group could include guys um, as I mentioned earlier, like Fabian Holland, um, and, and we'll get some indication, I think, from the national selectors exactly who they see as the blokes coming through, not for necessarily next year's World Cup, but maybe the one after. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, all right, uh, Nisbo. I mean, we've got Leon McDonald coming on the show in a little bit, um, so we'll ask him this as well. But I will be very interested to see, you know, guys like Roger Tuivasa-Shek, you know, does he go with a 35-man all-black squad and not play a lot bunch of footy, or do they give him to Leon McDonald and say, try and give him 60 minutes, two games against the Soppo and see how he looks? Yeah, it's a good point, isn't it, really? Um, uh, 35 players, it's going to be pretty much the blokes that have been in the squad right through, with one or two exceptions, I suppose. Um, he's had very little game time with the All Blacks, and you're right, it might... Um, I mean, you could play him against Japan, I suppose, but would he seriously make the team to play Wales? Would he seriously make the team to play Scotland? Or would he seriously make the team to play England? The answer's probably no. Um, he might well be better off uh, as you say, to go with um, go with Razor and uh, and Leon McDonald and and see what they can do with them um, in a in a little sort of mini tour, if you like. Okay, mate. Yeah, totally agree. It will be interesting to see how that plays out uh, and who who gets to go and whether or not even the All Blacks are able to while they're over there give Leon McDonald um, and his coaches a couple of players that they feel need game time. Um, Let's go back finally, last question, to, to the NPC. Uh, is there anybody out there that you can see, Nisbo, given that we've pretty much got most of our finalists now, barring what happens um, this afternoon, uh, that can can beat a very impressive Canterbury? They've been the most consistent side, uh, including your mob. We've got the Ranfurly Shield there from Wellington. Who, who do you think's the most likely to probably get through to the final to take them on? Should Canterbury not get upset before then? Yeah, uh pretty hard, isn't it? Because, you know, they're going to get home advantage right through, I would think, um, being a team that's uh, accrued the best record for sure. Uh, in the other division, yeah, I, th- I think I think Wellington are a big chance. Uh, they've got to be a bit careful this afternoon that they that they don't, um, you know, just take County's Manukau for granted because 
if they were to lose that game, they may, they, they'd probably lose the top slot. Mm. And that makes it just a little bit harder for them. Uh, I was really impressed with North Harbour. I have been quite impressed with North Harbour um, this season. Sure, they haven't been all that consistent. But I think in players like Sean Stevenson and Bryn Gatland, uh, they've been pretty damn impressive. Uh, Bay of Plenty's another one. Having said that, Bay of Plenty fell over to Northland the other day. So um, I think uh, if I was a betting man, I'd be looking at Bay of Plenty to beat a Waikato team, which has kind of fallen off the pace there a wee bit. It's, uh, it's been interesting. I, I, I don't know what's happened to Waikato just in the last couple of weeks, but they're capable of picking themselves up. Any team that's got Damien McKenzie in it is always going to be a danger. And um, I think yesterday, or at least on Friday night, we saw that Hawks Bay had finally gotten over the fact that they no longer had the Ranfilly Shield. And they did a pretty damn good job on uh, Tasman. So, um, you know, just on, on, on the surface of it, Marcia, I think um, the likes of uh, Wellington, North Harbour, uh, Hawks Bay, and, and maybe a rejuvenated Waikato um, could be, could be uh, a bit of a problem for... Canterbury, but just at the moment, I think Canterbury at home are going to be a bit tough to beat. Yeah, no, I agree. As well, they uh, they look pretty good. Actually, I was quite surprised at Santa Marcia. Quite surprised how strong the team against Otago was, mm. given they had already well and truly qualified top spot. I thought he might have given a few players a breathe, but no. Yeah, exactly. He's um, you know, I think I think you want to keep the train rolling, don't you? Um, there were some subtle changes, but but nothing uh, nothing too hard. I mean. A lot of their play really revolves around, um, you know, you get a loose forward that includes Billy Harmon and uh, and uh, Tom Christie. Mm. Pretty hard to beat, isn't it, really? And um, and a good, solid front row. I thought Tamati Williams was, was terrific last night. Um, and, you know, they, they're just going to be tough to beat, that's for sure. Yeah, indeed. Good stuff. Nisbo, thanks very much for coming on, mate. We'll let you go and enjoy the rest of your Sunday, Arvo. Plenty of footy to watch. Absolutely. Good on you, boys. Take it easy. Yeah, we'll do. Uh, Grant Nisbet there with us. Uh, 29 away from uh, 2 o'clock. And as I mentioned, we've got Leon McDonald coming up shortly, Marshy. Um, yeah, some interesting calls. I wonder how much influence he will have on the players that he gets to take. Yeah, that's the million-dollar question, isn't it? And it's great that we're, we've been able to get Leon on a, on a Sunday afternoon to have a chat to him about that. How much information he's able to divulge to us is, <laughs> is probably the other side of the equation that we'll have to, to, to factor in but you know look I, at the end of the day it'll be the directive he was given when he was asked to do the coaching role like as a, as a coach you're ultimately responsible for the team that you coach mm. and, and, and if that's me and I'm a coach well I would want to pick the players that I believe I can coach to win rugby games Yeah, exactly. uh, but if that, that directive is coming from the exterior saying well this is the side we want you to play and these are the people we want to have in your squad, then you know, you've got to get your head around that and then it presents different challenges uh, and then work with, with that talent. So, yeah, it's an interesting equation that he's facing. Um, we'll, we'll get to the bottom of it. We will, we will. Actually, I mean, here's a question for you and something we can't ask, Leon, but I, just your take on what this All Black 15 means and, and the direction that it's going to take. Is this All Black 15 a team that is going to have Brad Weber and TJ Perinara in the squad because, you know, we're, we're saying they're, they're yeah. out of the, the All Black squad at the moment, or is it the sort of squad that's going to have someone like a Cortez Aratama or someone like that more looking to the future than and than blooding the, uh, giving the old guys games? I, I think it will be very much looking to the future. Um, there's, there's certainly no substitute for having experience in a side. And, and you know, playing at Wembley in London is, is against, a, you know, traditionally, uh, you know, one of the, 
I guess, more exciting teams in the world in the Barbarians um, with a New Zealand coach yeah. uh, who knows New Zealand rugby players quite well is, is, a, is a challenge in itself. Uh, but, you know, I certainly feel that um, this is a time to find out a lot about players. Those mm. players that have been sitting sort of just on, on, on the outer at the moment, haven't been getting lots of minutes, haven't been getting the opportunities possibly... Uh, we might through, uh, see a through Mouldy players in there as well, mm. uh, because you know they they've they been very successful lately. And Clayton McMillan's involved. Yeah, that's and true. Here, yeah, but again, how much input do they have in, in getting players here? But yeah, in my mindset, it will be. I think it'll be a look towards the future rather than taking too many old bodies there. Yeah, that's another question. Will Scott Robertson be allowed to bring in a couple of? Well, New Zealand yeah. players into that Barbas team, you know, say a TJ or someone like well, that. Well, that's right. And he may very well look at someone like TJ Pirinata, you yeah. know, to, to captain his side. Yeah. You know, I, I was very lucky to captain the Barbarians against the All Blacks in 2004, and it was an incredible experience uh, to, to be able to, to stand there and, and face the Haka and, um, you know, um, take on the All Blacks, you know. And I was still an All Black at the time. Yeah. I played my last season against the Lions in 2005. So. You know, knowing TJ, someone like TJ Pierdinata or Brad Weber, they would, if Razor knocked on their door, they'd jump at it. Any player would. Yeah. It would be incredible to take on, um, the, you know, the what the second to third best rugby players in the country wearing a black jersey um, in, 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 in a pretty awesome stadium of Wembley. Yeah, damn good. Damn good. A couple of texts come through. This one, uh, a great game by Ben O'Keefe. He helped make last night's game such a good one. Yeah, I thought he'd, he refereed the game really well. We, we made a comment on the fact that what what Ben O'Keefe did so well last night was he actually uh, refereed the breakdown in a massively positive way where he saw, was up close and personal with uh, what was going on there in terms of players trying to get turnover. He was His communication was brilliant mm. in terms of he let a player know that he was fine and then he let him know that when he wasn't and to release and to roll away. And the minute that somebody um, you know got over the ball... Uh, he gave them an opportunity to turn the ball over. Now, now sometimes referees are so quick on the whistle that you know they can see a player's over the ball, possibly got his hands on it, and he's just got his hands on it. And if a ball doesn't come free, they'll blow a penalty straight away. And then we've got a, a whistle, a whistle, a whistle. Last night, he let that player stay in the fight a little bit. And a lot of times, the players lifted the ball and actually presented it back on their own side, which is what should happen without yeah. there being a penalty. Yeah, totally. And, and the game flowed. It flowed at the breakdown, you know, because it, yeah, it looked like there were lots of turnovers, but they weren't mistake-style uh, uh, turnovers. They weren't errors, knock-ons or fumbles. They were simply legitimate turnovers, and the other team counter-attacked. And it was a really good go game of ebb and flow because he had that mindset that he was allowing, you know, that that contest to happen. Yeah. Rather than see a contest and then go ping, he was letting it evolve, letting it evolve, and then if the player clearly after five seconds didn't release it on the ground, whatever, then he would blow a penalty. So I, I thought it was a, it was a, it was a really good mindset from Ben O'Keefe, which massively helped the game. Yeah, definitely. No, definitely. Thanks for the text. Keep them coming through. Double eight, double three. Up next, Leon McDonald, the coach of the All Black Fifteen. Yeah, 20 away from two here on SENZ, the rugby run. Ricardo Paul, Justin Marshall with you. And joining us on the phone now on a Sunday afternoon, very much appreciated, is the uh, coach of the All Black 15 side that is going to play uh, an Irish uh, selection and the Barbarians as well in the end of year. Leon McDonald, how are you, sir? Good afternoon, guys. How are you guys? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. Good, good. Um, we've been kicking around some questions uh, between us uh, that we wanted to ask you, and I, um, I guess there's some stuff you'll be able to tell us and some stuff you won't, but uh, I know that the All Black selectors are going to 
sort of be involved in picking the team that you're going to coach. How much input are you going to get into that team? Um, yeah, look, a little bit. They're obviously um, the purpose of the teams for 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 them to see the next best. So who's who's um, who's not in their squad, and, and they want to be able to see them play um, at that next level of um, tour and, and and get a bit more information because. Um, by the time you get into the next year, I'm assuming that this score's going to be pretty much done. So just gives them another opportunity. But, so, yeah, generally it'll be picked by the all-back selectors, but um, I do get to sit in the room and, and have um, a big part of the conversation, I suppose. Yeah. How do you see that team, uh, the, the purpose of the team, I guess, is the best way to put this? I mean, we saw uh, when the Irish were here and, and during the Rugby Championship, for example, you know, Brad Weber and TJ Pieranato weren't in the All Blacks team. Uh, is it going to be those kind of guys that are going to be with you? Or are we looking maybe at the, the, the next uh, generation, the likes like, say, if we're talking half-backer half Cortez Ratama or somebody like that? Oh, look, I think predominantly it'll be, um, you know, the, the, the first lot, the guys that are next, next off the rank. Um, any injuries over in, in Europe, then they'll be able to pull guys across really easily and they can sort of fit into that all-back squad if they needed it. Um, but also, you know, with the ability to play some rugby. So I think predominantly it's going to be the next best and then there's probably going to be an opportunity inside that squad um, you know, with some of the other spaces um, to be able to have a look at the, the next tier as well. So it might be, for example, two two experienced or you know two of the next best halfbacks and maybe a younger one or you know there'll be an opportunity to do a little bit of both, I think. Leon, thanks for joining us. It's good to see that you've actually managed to extricate yourself from the sun lounges I've seen you on since the end of Super Rugby. Um, working on that um, tan of yours. Uh, off the back of the the fact that you'll have a little bit of input and selection, but the majority of it will come from the All Black selectors, how then do you go about playing in terms of game plan? Do they want you playing in a specific way or you can take control of the way that you'll approach playing these two games? Yeah, Fozzie's made it really clear that um, once once the team's been named, then um, you know, the coaches... Um, we can play any style that we we want to do, and um, we're we're not replicating their game plan or anything like that. They're not not so interested in that more than um, you know just us to to make those decisions. And that's the same selection of the weekly teams. It's up to us to to choose the teams that we see fit. So um, yeah, it, it still gives us plenty of opportunity to, to add our own flavour to the tour. With your co-coaches Clayton and um, Scott, uh, have you worked with them before? And and secondly. Was that a process that you were given the head coach's role and you chose them, or that was a New Zealand Rugby Union directive that the three of you were put together to work together? Um, I haven't. No, first question. I haven't worked with um, with either, which is sort of part of the attraction, I think, of this tour for me is an opportunity to work alongside good coaches and you know from different uh, different teams, I suppose, and uh, even. You know, new physios and, and trainers and, and all that sort of stuff. So it just, it, you know, it allows you to, to grow a little bit and learn from each other. And, um, and yeah, look, again, the, the process was um, New Zealand-driven, um, which I had some input in as well. So, again, a little bit like the, the previous question, it was, it was a little bit of both. What about in terms of announcing your team and then preparation time? Like, how long are you going to get to have these players before you leave New Zealand and then, um, you know, be able to, to get them together for those games over there? Yeah, it's a little bit rushed. Um, we'll assemble, um, have one day in Auckland before we jump on the plane and then we'll have seven days um, or a full week before our first game. So 
not a huge amount of preparation time. So things will be kept pretty simple. Um, and then we've got a longer turnaround into the second game against the Barbars. We've got a, a nine-day turnaround, so that just gives us a little bit more time to, to um, hopefully put a little bit, you know, bit more work into the team. But I think seven days, um, you know, we, we'll um, we have to just make sure we get what we need in there, and uh, we want to perform well, obviously. So um, it could be a little bit rushed, but we'll do the best we can. Did you ever get the boots on? Forgive me for for not knowing this for the Barbarians. No, no, oh. no, no, I was, no. You'll know what their week's like then. <laughs> well, you would have heard the rumours, I've experienced it. Um, I'd, I'd imagine you won't be uh, behind them on preparation, put it that way. But, uh, yeah, quite interesting that you get that opportunity as a coach to, you know, they're traditionally they're um, a historically great club um, and they've, they've got a certain brand of rugby that they play as well. So kind of cool that... Even though you didn't get the chance as a player, you get it as a coach to go coach against them, and and obviously up at, uh, against Razor as well as we mentioned earlier in the show, he'll he'll know a lot about the players that you're going to pick, which is a positive for him, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's just different, isn't it? I think that's the exciting part of the tour is um, you know, a little bit of a different opposition. The team's going to be made up of players right through Europe, um, you know, good players too, and they'll be they'll be. You know, although they'll probably have quite a different build-up than they're used to, they'll be pretty competitive and want to do well. I think the last time they played against England a little while back, I think the Barbarians had a pretty solid 30-point win against mm. them. So um, that's what happens sometimes when you can play with no fear and, and freedom. And um, you know, you've been a part of a few Barbarians teams, Marcia, that's sort of probably rubbed up, a, you know, a few teams that yep. you shouldn't have. You know, just because of the, the, the standard play you got and the fact that you got, you know, just play. Um, so yeah, that's exciting, and, and I think this Irish teams, uh, you know, Ireland, Ireland are the top of the world at the moment, and they're, they're carrying a, squad, a large squad through their autumn series, and, and they're going to release their players out to play us, and um, so they're going to be you know well drilled, well coached, and, and obviously pretty ambitious and, and you know, beating us. So that, that, that's fun as well. Uh, Leon, I know you're uh, on downtime from the uh, from the Blues well, if you ever have downtime as a, as, a, as a head coach of a Super Rugby team but yesterday uh, Auckland played and they, they gave Roger Tuivasa-Shek the 14 jersey what did you what did you make of that move uh, and how did you think he went? Yeah look yeah, I, I, I was really interested to see how he went because that was obviously one of the other positions that was talked about him um, playing and, and um, it wasn't probably the best night for wingers it was pretty cold best mm. day for wingers it was pretty wet um, but he did the basics well. He he um, you know, he, 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 he counter-attacked back off kickoffs and and carried the ball. He was looking for work, and I think yeah he wanted to be in the midfield, getting his hands on the ball. But there is now with the way that the game structured, wingers had to have a license to to ride around the place. And if he can, um, you know, it could be quite a good opportunity for him just as the season winds up a bit more to um, you know just to play with a bit more freedom and and just try and really you know get that ball in space and and show what he can do with some you know. A little bit more width. Yeah, I guess speaking of that, then obviously you've you, you'll be in the middle of uh, piecing together your blue squad as well, and an announcement of that, uh, and and then having to be away uh, coaching this uh, uh, side, which is again it's probably quite refreshing for you because it's a change of focus, and you can get back into the blues. Is there uh, going to be any activity within the blues whilst you're away? And if so, who, who's taken over that that uh, head role from you? In the interim, yeah, look, we've got Tom Coventry still here, but we, we come back about a week before we assemble, so sort of land, right. land on the Wednesday, and I think we assemble on the, the Monday. So um, there's a little bit of a gap in between, but yeah, just sort of racing around trying to get 
all my ducks in a row before we jump on the plane because we're coming straight back into the season, really. So, um, yeah, no, it's good. It's exciting. I think, um, yeah, I think a lot of players will be hoping they can make this tour. It's a, it's a, it's a fun tour, I think. You know, two really good games. Um, we haven't really been overseas for a long time. And, um, you know, because of COVID, we've generally been playing New Zealand teams or Australian teams. So, uh, you know, as, as a as a professional, um, you always want to put yourself against the best in the world. And, and going overseas to Europe and, and playing good games is, is always an exciting challenge. Yeah, good stuff, Leon. Hey, listen, mate, thanks very much for giving up uh, some time on your Sunday afternoon. We'll let you get back to the Sun Lounger and continue to work on that tan. <laughs> thanks, mate. <laughs> you haven't seen the weather in Auckland, obviously, hasn't been sunny for months. <laughs> I wasn't talking about Auckland, mate. I was talking about Fiji and where, all those other places you've been, but never mind, we won't go into that. I, I, I might have popped down to Benham for three or four days and that's about it. <laughs> good, man. Uh, good stuff, Leon. Thanks very much, mate, and best of luck uh, with that uh, end-of-season tour. This is the Rugby Run here on SENZ, 10 away from two. Joining us now because we do have a Rugby World Cup kicking off next Saturday. We're six days away. Cherry Blyde, former Black Fern, head of Taranaki Rugby now. Cherry, how are you? Uh, good afternoon. I don't know that I'd say head of Taranaki Rugby, but yeah, I'm part of it. Yeah, <laughs> all right, mate. The, we, we all know that you tell them what to do and they, they just toe the line. We know that. Yeah, okay, we'll leave it at that then. We'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that, Cherry. Uh, how how excited are you as you know, a former fern, somebody who's involved in the administration of rugby, you know, uh, at a provincial level? How excited are you that we're we're seeing the uh, Women's Rugby World Cup kicking off in just six days uh, here on our own patch? Yeah, pretty excited, eh? It's it's going to be well. Hopefully, it's going to um, be very um, uh, um, successful. Mm. Um, I'm, you know, more from a spectator's point of view, and we get plenty of bums on seats and um, get them behind our black bands and all the other teams too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, from everything I've heard, the opening day is three games at Eden Park, so it's a triple header, finishing with the Ferns against the Wallaroos. Um, over thirty thousand tickets sold for that, which will make it the biggest women's sporting event in New Zealand history, I think, uh, in terms of talking yeah. bums on seats, which is which is going to be good. I, I guess. Um, you know, for somebody who's involved with Taranaki rugby like you are, Sherry, is it a little disappointing that we don't get to see this World Cup outside of Auckland and Whangarei? Yeah, um, I know uh, obviously a lot of people down this way um, have said, you know, how come um, it's all up there, et cetera, et cetera. But obviously when they were planning it um, logistics-wise, if, if that big sea come into play again mm. um, they could confine them all up there so um, you know a, a tick for that but yeah a little bit disappointing for the likes of people that would just like to maybe have a day trip and, and you know take a drive to Hamilton or down to Wellington um, and you know for the likes of the South Islanders too um, with the likes of Christchurch um, like their women's rugby numbers down there is huge so it probably would have been um, nice for them to have had a couple of pool games down there too so um, like you can see both sides of the coin but yeah again hopefully everyone gets them behind it and um, and yeah we can be loud and vocal and see some great games of footy. Cherry it's Justin here speaking of great games of footy uh, being a former fern yourself uh, some players they sort of, you're obviously involved in administration now, but in terms of watching, some drift away and watch it sporadically, some watch it religiously. Do you take in every game? Are you, have you got a vested interest in every single moment that the, the Ferns are playing? 
Um, I do watch every game that the Black Ferns play. Um, I'm not um, I'm not the sort of person that just watches every game. Um, in regards to the the Farapama Cup, um, obviously like to watch our CEO girls and, and it, I think too if you've got um, a couple of people that you're associated with in the other teams you know you like to keep an eye on what's going on but uh, yeah and I definitely watch all the highlights anyway. So in saying that that's quite uh, good that you answered it in that way. Um, Michaela <laughs> did, do, you, do you think that that was or you know actually something that she considered given that how successful she is in sevens but a rugby world cup in, in 15s on New Zealand shores, was it something that she seriously looked at or is that in the future? Um, I know for Michaela, um, she was approached and asked if she would like to, um, you know, have a crack um, at, at putting her hand up for the, the 15s. Uh, but Michaela being Michaela, um, she has to make sure that she does it, it right and she felt that because she hadn't really had a lot of 15s under her belt, um, she said if she ever did um, yeah. decide to go to the 15, she would like to have a couple of years of Farah Palmer Cup first before she made that next step so she could do the jersey justice. Mm. Um, you, know, it's, I, you know, it's just not something I think some people can, but it's just not something that you can just pick and choose and go to and, um, you know, go from 15s to 7s and back again. And probably do the ju- the juicy justice the way you would like to. Um, Cherry, the Black Ferns. You said you know you watch every Black Ferns game. You're a former fern yourself. We obviously had a situation at the Northern Tour at the end of last year. Uh, things didn't go well with the coaching group for whatever reason, and they've made that change. We've got Wayne Smith in charge now, um, and some very good uh, other coaches working under him. What's the big change for you that you've seen in the way that the Black Ferns play from that end of year tour to what we've seen, say, against the Wallaroos this season? Um, probably the, the main thing would be, for me, the fitness. You can see that the girls are a lot fitter. Um, and I would I would think, too, um, the jersey's not yours. You know, you're just you're playing in it on the day. And I think, um, I think Smithy's probably installed that in the girls, too. You know, you just... You're just wearing it on the day. Um, so, yeah, I, I think people have had to take a little bit of ownership of um, of their own game. And, um, yeah, I think he's just developed a lot of um, competition and, yeah, just made people more accountable for, um, for the positions. Yeah, it feels like the Ferns are playing a faster brand of footy as well and it'd be be interesting to see how that goes against the bigger sides the Englands and the Frances I guess that's why they're doing that but you've still got to be able to um, you know physically match them as well to win the ball and get that front uh, front football right? Yes yeah no 100% and and, you know I I was looking at the pool matches and and obviously on that first day um, with obviously France and England and us so I I think we're, we're the big three um, I see France are, are seeded fourth, but um, yeah, um, Canada are in that mix too. Um, they're number three, apparently. But yeah, the, the physicality of the English girls and the French girls, that's going to be uh, pretty hard to stop. So I suppose I've got to work out a way to keep the ball away from them. Yeah, that's, that's going to be the key. So it's going to be interesting. How much... 
I mean, how much of it? There was a massive gap at the end of last season when we went up there and we got flogged at all four tests. Um, yeah. How much of that gap do you think they've closed? Or is it kind of hard to tell playing Australia? It's probably pretty hard to um, to tell. Um, you know, no disrespect to the to the Aussie girls, but mm. uh, yeah, I, you know, would have maybe liked to have seen a couple of harder matches mm. um, so we could gauge ourselves a little bit more leaning into the tournament. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, um, like I said, I think I can't tell you who the fourth team will be in the semi-finals, but I think uh, I think it'll be battled out between. England, France, us, and possibly Fiji, maybe, maybe. I, I certainly don't think it was Japan, that's for sure. Well, <laughs> not on the evidence of Eden Park. Do you think that was, Jerry? I know Wayne Smith well, and whilst he would have been, you know, elated with the result, I guarantee he didn't get out of that game what he was looking for now that the next game is obviously an opener, Rugby World Cup, Eden Park against Australia. Do you think mentally... The, the the actual the the woman can get in the the right headspace and that they can you know get their focus back to how much more tougher it'll be than that particular occasion. Oh yeah, no, hundred percent. Like knowing a few of those girls in the team, um, yeah, they will know that that was just a practice run. Mm. Um, and yeah, they've got to you know they've got to bring their A game um, every day, every game that they play, they need to have their, their A game and, and yeah, they've probably still got a lot more work to do before, uh, before we get to semi-finals. Um, I think, well, I'm not too sure how the quarters work, uh, but yeah, obviously if we top our pool, um, I, uh, I don't know who we will have in the quarters, but I think, yeah, we'll either have France or England in the semi-final. So they just need to make sure that they're, Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, if you, you can you can never you can never fool a bookie, Sherry. So I, when it comes to looking who the top four are going to be, I'd often go to the outright winner at the at the TAB and have a look. Uh, this is the market: England are a dollar fifty to win it. Uh, then New yep. Zealand at three dollars. Then France at eight dollars, which is good value, I think, because I think France oh. are a lot closer than that. And then the next yep. team out is Canada at twenty sixes. Wow. So that's a big jump out oh, there. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, yeah. Any um, tips for us? Or because yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking of obviously the black ferns. It's worth it. It's worth a bit just in case. A backup. We'll call yeah. it a backup, Jerry. Yeah. Will we? Yeah. yeah, that's the one. That's the backup. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, quality, Jerry. I mean, yeah. asking and you another question about our neighbours because obviously a lot of what happens in New Zealand rugby. Uh, is related to what happens in Australian rugby. We rely on them and they rely on us to a certain extent. How worried should we be about the state of the Wallaroos? Uh, they, uh, I mean, that Jap- Japanese team that the Black Ferns put to the sword last weekend beat Australia earlier this season. Yes, yeah, no, they did. Um, yeah, I don't know. Hopefully, you know, obviously we all know once there's a big tournament, obviously, like the World Cup, um, everyone uh, lifts it up a notch. Um but yeah, I don't know. I have heard that um, Aussie rugby are putting all their eggs in the sevens basket, mm. um, and then obviously, you know, with the likes of the fifteens, oh, you know, you don't want to say they're getting the others, but um, yeah, women's sport over there. Um, obviously, the league is is taking off too. So whether or not they don't see the fifteens as something that they want to. Um, fully invest in, I don't know, but 
I think they'd be crazy not to. I think, you know, obviously it is one of the biggest growing sports, so you've got to jump on that bandwagon while you can. Yeah, you definitely do. Hey, Cherry, thanks very much for coming on. Thank you. On your Sunday afternoon. I really appreciate it. Uh, continue to do the good work you do as president of Taranaki Rugby and enjoy that World Cup, eh? No, I appreciate it. Yeah, go the Black Ferns. Go the Black Ferns indeed. Sherry Bly there with us uh, talking the World Cup. Yeah, $1.50 England, that's pretty short, isn't it? Before a ball's been kicked. Yeah, it is actually. It's, um, you know, the World Cups just throw up, you know, so so many different uh, scenarios in your face and, you know, you don't often see a team going in with having to get through a pool and then, you know, quarterfinals, semifinals and a final and not falter. Anywhere, yeah, and 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 injuries as well play a massive part. You lose lose a key player, you know that that has a, a huge effect on the team. So to go in at one fifty, that's very short. Yeah, very short indeed. Yeah, I mean, there's twelve teams at this World Cup. Uh, the outsider outsiders are the Japanese and the South Africans, both at uh, five hundred and one to one. So yeah, don't, don't back that. No, we'll probably give that a miss for car. I might put five of your dollars on it, but <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm very tempted to put uh, a little something on the French. French, honest, yeah, $8. that's that's a good bet out there for all those people that um, like good bets. Yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> is that the politically correct way to say it? I think it is. <laughs> yeah, perfect. <laughs> I think it is. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and an nationwide warranty book in or book online at repcoservice.com